Great. Well, uh, good to see you this morning. My name is Dan. I lead the eldership team here. And uh, this morning, we're just reminding ourselves of the vision that God's giving to us as a church. So if you're new to Kings, I hope this is a a, a snapshot of who we are. And uh, if it isn't normally your church, I just hope it's just great to have you with us and to share with us this morning. And if if you're just new back to Kings, having been away for all of Christmas, it's so great to welcome you back as well. Do you know, progress always requires us to rely on God. And I was thinking of that verse earlier in the week where uh, Paul, when he goes to Corinth, big city, and he wants to preach the gospel and he wants to see a church planted. And this is how he feels about it emotionally. He says, I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. And that's the sort of normal response to the things of God for, for, for us, that we actually not many of us kind of go into it head first and say, hey, we're just so ready for this. Most of us feel inadequate, we feel weak, we feel anxious, we get fearful. And it's fine to be both of those things. If you have either of those dispositions today, if you feel inadequate or anxious, then that's fine. But here's something that we must do if we're going to enter into the promises of God. We, we need to tremble. We need to feel that sense of wonder that God might just do something with people like us, with people like you and with people like me. So we're going to look at um, a story from uh, Matthew chapter 15, and it's the story of the feeding of the 4,000. And we're going to see a, a group of disciples who are inadequate, who are anxious, but who learn to tremble before Jesus as he does a miracle. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 3, sorry, Matthew chapter 15. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. I wonder if I ask you the question, have you ever heard a preach on the feeding of the 4,000? And the answer would probably be, no, I've heard one on the preaching of the 5,000. Because everybody preaches about the feeding of the 5,000 because it just seems like a bigger miracle, doesn't it? Well, it is a bigger miracle. I mean, what's a thousand between friends? But four thousand, you know, if you're going to preach on a miracle, you'd preach on the one that's the bigger miracle. You think, but then it begs the question why do Matthew and Mark both put in two different miracles of Jesus that are so, so similar? 
If you're going to tell a story about Jesus doing a miracle with bread and fish, and you've got more than enough miracles to fill your book, then why would you do two so similar? And I don't have loads and loads of insight into this, but as, as I get going into what we're talking about in terms of vision, I just want to give you three thoughts on why that could be the case for us today. And here's my first observation, that kingdom progress isn't always about doing different things, but it's about doing the same things with different people. Progress isn't measured by novelty, but by faithfulness. And so, if, if you were to look in, into some of the context of the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, here's the differences that you find. The feeding of the 5,000 was to a, a largely Jewish audience. And some of the, the imagery around it, it, is, it means a lot if you were a Jewish person in that day. So when they pick up 12 basketfuls of bread at the end of the thing, it, it, there's something powerful and symbolic about that. When the people of Israel were looking for a prophet to come, as Moses had prophesied, they were expecting another prophet like Moses who would do a miracle with bread like Moses did in the desert. And here comes Jesus, he does a bread miracle, and then they pick up 12 basketfuls of food. And everybody's thinking, he's the prophet for Israel. He's the one. 12 tribes of Israel, 12 baskets of bread left over. Now, when you come to the feeding of the 4,000, Jesus is in a different place. He's in another remote place. But when you look at the context around it, he's, he's just had a conversation with a Canaanite woman, a woman not from the people of Israel. And then when he does these miracles that we read about in the verses we read this morning, he, he healed, he made cripples well, he made the lame walk and the blind see. It says they praised the God of Israel. And the suggestion in here is that Jesus was kind of out of the Israel patch. He was in the Gentile territory. And he was doing a miracle for ordinary people, for people outside of that promised people of God. And when they pick up the basketfuls at the end, they have seven basketfuls left over. Seven biblically, it's the number of completion, it's the number of creation. And if the 12 basket says... Jesus has come for the tribes of Israel. The seven basketful says this, that Jesus has come for the whole world. And this is a thought as we get going into vision today, that our vision doesn't particularly change from year to year to year. God enlarges it and he makes it bigger. But this is what he's doing. He wants us to do it with more and more and more people. He wants us to be a church that helps people who are not currently in church be part of that church and to come to know Jesus. Here's a second observation. That kingdom progress requires faith every time. I love reading the story of the feeding of the 4,000 for this reason that two chapters earlier, just two chapters, this is, I mean, Jesus only ministered with the disciples for three years, so it wasn't a long time. But in the feeding of the 5,000, you'll remember the story is, the disciples are keen to send everybody away because there's no bread and everybody's going to get hungry. They say, Jesus, send everybody away. Jesus says, no, no, you give them something to eat. And they start saying, well, where are we going to get the bread? It's going to cost half a year's wages to get all this bread. And then Jesus does a miracle with the bread and he feeds 5,000 men plus women plus children. Two chapters later, there's a very similar crowd of 4,000 people and Jesus says, you know, I'm, I'm thinking we should feed these people. What do the disciples say? Do they say, I know what he's going to do. 
seen this one before, just two chapters, he's going to do the bread thing. Do any of the twelve say it? No. They say, where are we going to get the bread from? Doesn't that tell you something interesting about the life of faith? That we have never nailed it. We never say, oh, you know, I've got so much faith in the bank that I don't need to rely on Jesus anymore. No, every time we want Jesus to act and answer our prayer, we have to lean into him. And it comes as a fresh revelation to the disciples that, ah, he's going to do a miracle with bread. And then they start to clock. They think, oh, yeah, he did that before, didn't he? And he wants to do it again. I mean, Jesus could have fired them on that occasion. But I love that Jesus has compassion on people like us and he's teaching us in the things of faith. You know, maturity as a believer isn't all about what you know. It's about how much you lean on Jesus. And God will often bring us into seasons of life that make us more dependent on him. And perhaps you find yourself in a new place or in a demanding new job or in a city without friends. Perhaps you find yourself as a new parent and all the pressures of that. Perhaps you find yourself in a season of difficulty in marriage or divorce or singleness. In all of those things, Jesus wants us to lean on him. And we find help when we lean on him. And Jesus isn't bothered about the numbers. He doesn't matter if it's 5,000 or 4,000. He even did it for one woman at a well in John chapter 3. He'll always draw near when we ask him for help. Here's the third uh, observation I'd like to make, that progress, kingdom progress, is all about giving all that we've got to Jesus. And when we do that, he multiplies it. We give him the ordinary He does the extraordinary. We give him the natural, he does the supernatural. We give him the bread and fish, and he makes a buffet and a feast. Jesus multiplies what we put into his hands. Have you ever noticed when you read through the New Testament, any time Jesus touches something, he does something good with it. He heals the sick, he raises the dead, he gives sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. In fact, there's only one time when he touches and he does the opposite, and it's to touch those dirty disciples' feet, and he makes them clean. Here's what Jesus does. When you give him your sin, he cleanses you, and he takes it away. But then he puts you in his hands, and he multiplies his life through you in whatever place you are. Now, the story of kings has been a multiplying story over many, many years now. Uh, King's church began 17 years ago. And it began with Matthew and Anne moving up to uh, Edinburgh with a a group of about a dozen of us. And uh, some of you will remember back to that period. And we used to meet in somebody's house and we we just gave ourselves to God. We put ourselves into Jesus' hands and he multiplied us. The, 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 The adults would meet in one room and the children would meet in the kitchen next door with the blenders and the sharp knives That's just the way we roll with kids' work at King's. It's always been that way. No, don't worry, new parents. That's not how we do it anymore. Um, But but God multiplied us. We outgrew that home. And then we moved into Craig Lockhart Tennis Centre along the road, and then we outgrew that, and then we moved into the sixth floor of the Napier Napier Murkison Campus Tower Block, and we thought, surely nobody will find us here. But people kept coming, and people kept joining. We thought, gosh, we need to find a new venue. We moved to uh, St. Thomas of Aquins High School at Tollcross, And uh, God kept adding to us. 
again and again. People started to get saved, and we baptized many people, a lot of students back in those days. And God kept multiplying us. And around about that time, about sort of eight years or so ago, uh, God spoke to us and he said, I'm going to be giving you a building. Somebody prophetic came and said that to us. And we thought, gosh, do you know how much property costs in Edinburgh? I don't think God will be doing that anytime soon. We were about 100 uh, adults at that time in our church. And uh, anyway, within a matter of months, God had shown us this place that was for sale. And we came before the church and we said, look, we, we just feel God is leading us to this thing to this building, and we just need to put whatever we have in his hands. And this church, always a wonderfully generous church, people gave £96,000 one Sunday morning. And then we begged and borrowed the rest from banks and other people, and we, we offered £400,000 to buy this building, which is a sort of a, a laughable amount, because the flats next door cost more than that. Yet, Jesus gave us this building. He multiplied what we gave to him, and he gave us something so much more valuable. A couple of years ago, uh, we felt that God was stirring us to, to plant a church in Livingston, in West Lothian. And about 20 of our really core people from Kings here said, yeah, we feel God is calling us to go and really plant a church and make that thrive and reach a whole load of different people in that community of West Lothian. And we sent them, and that was costly, and, but it was also wonderful and worshipful as they went. And now God is multiplying them. They're thriving. They're doing so well. And, and we're thriving. And God is giving to us and has given us so many more people as they have gone as well. In the last year, we freshly gave over the leadership of kings to Jesus. We put our leadership into his hands. And we felt, as we shared with you last March, that Matthew felt that it was time to hand over the leadership of the, the eldership team to me. And then around that time as well, we started to feel like we wanted to add more elders into our team. And we uh, asked God, and he, he said, uh, and, and we felt God pointing us to Andy and Sandy and Chris to add into our eldership team. And we went through that process with you as a church. God multiplied our eldership. So God has been doing some wonderful things over these last few years. And last year, we began asking God, we began to talk about these three things. We called them the three alls of King's Church. Do you remember those? Let's put them up on the, the screen if, if you could. Uh, yeah, so uh, that we wanted to be a church for all, all kinds of different people. A church for all of Edinburgh and a church where all of us were all in for Jesus. And we started to ask him for those things. And we had a, a half night of prayer last year. In fact, uh, in Week after next, we're going to be having a week of prayer as a church. Could you put that? And find, uh, individual prayer, a prayer room uh, downstairs where you can sign up. There'll be an opportunity to do that in the weekly email, culminating in a half night of prayer for six hours on Friday, the 25th of January, between 6 p.m. and midnight. You can come for part of that or all of that. It's going to be absolutely brilliant as we ask God for more. So, I'd just love us to talk into these three alls, and then I've got a couple more to give to you as well. Is that okay? I mean, you could just go home if you prefer. I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm easy the way on it. I don't know. Right. Okay. <laughs> I know. It's Edinburgh. You don't get anything back, do you? That's how it is in Edinburgh. I know you're smiling on the inside. <laughs> right. So we feel this thing that God has called us to be a church for all, a church for all kinds of people. 
that although perhaps we started in a certain place of having a certain demographic and a certain very young crowd in those early days, we feel that God has been diversifying and growing us over many years, and he's going to continue to do that. Uh, last year, we talked about this thing. We thought, as we started to talk about this idea, we said, well, here's a real barrier. We can't get anybody disabled even into our meetings. And so we took up an offering, and, and this church gave an amazing £41,000 towards that and some other projects. And uh, here is the wonderful thing. Uh, a year ago, we hadn't been able to get people into our carol services because uh, we didn't have any disabled access, and people had sadly gone away. In the last year, people who were too ill uh, and had to be in wheelchairs and wanted to come to church were unable to come to our meetings. We built a temporary and illegal ramp for our carol services <laughs> just so that we could say we, we are making progress here. And here was the wonderful thing Maria said to me afterwards, who leads our elderly stuff, she said, she said, we had six people able to attend in wheelchairs our carol service this year. That was such a wonderful moment. But here's the really good news. Tomorrow, the builders are moving in, and we're going to have a permanent solution to our disabled access. We're going to widen the stairs. It's going to be messy for a few weeks, but you okay with a bit of mess? I think people of faith are always okay with mess, and we're going to make it safe during the Sundays and all of that, but we are going to be doing this and putting in a permanent lift, which is going to be brilliant. But you know what? More than that, God's diversifying the crowd that we're getting. I was looking at the people we'd baptised last year. We baptised 12 people, which was exciting. Of those, three of them were teenagers, the most teenagers we've ever baptised. Six of those people were uh, not born in the UK. Four of them were Scottish, which was hugely exciting. <laughs> six, only six of those were students last year. And we had a diversity of other ages and stages. We had six women and six men. Wouldn't it be great if we saw that doubling year on year for these next few years, where we saw more and more people becoming disciples of Jesus from all walks of life and all stages of life? We saw different people coming to our morning and evening gatherings. We saw people uh, being reached. We started to think, how can we reach more diverse and, and different people? And we, we had this idea just uh, back in the autumn. We said, wouldn't it be great if we, uh, if we could sh share some uh, hampers, Christmas hampers, with those in need? And uh, fortunately, Kiri uh, volunteered. She said, I could make that happen, because I don't think any of us in the office knew how to do it. So, so we, anyway, she, she, she said, she made a rule. She said, I only want the good stuff given. I don't want any no frills. I don't want any baked beans. I don't want anything of that nature put in these hampers. We want to bless people who are in need this Christmas. And this church went above and beyond, as it always does. I think we had 17 hampers prepared, and they went to families. One of the stories we heard back was that uh, I mean, a number of these hampers were received by people in tears because their situations are desperate. And one lady, one mum, she said, she said, as I looked through this hamper, she said, it's almost like somebody had gone shopping just for me. She said, because it was all the stuff, it was all the brands that I would choose if I could afford it, but somebody had gone shopping and blessed me in a way that I couldn't do for myself able to show the love of Jesus with a wider crowd. Isn't that good? I think we're going to do that again this year, uh, if I can persuade Kiri to do it. That's, uh, that's great. Thank you, Kiri. Um, okay. It's the easiest way to get people to agree when you're preaching, I find. Just... 
<laughs> Nobody says no, can we talk about that? No, okay. Right. So uh, God's building a, a church for all here, and that's hugely exciting. I want to say to you, if, if you're just welcome here, whoever you are, and we, we, we love... We love being a church of so many different people. And that causes complexity in a family, doesn't it? Because when you're all from the same place and stage and background and experience, then you have, to, you have to work those things out. But that's what God's doing here. He's giving us grace for that. Uh, here's the second thing. He's, he's calling us to be a church for all of Edinburgh. And back in December, we encouraged you to open up your homes. So many of you opened your homes to neighbours and friends right around this city. Because what we find is when we plot our, our congregation on a map, they're not all bunched around Brunsfield here. We're all over the city. And that's the kind of church that God's building here. And we're excited that uh, over this last year, even some of our small groups are just beginning to move location slightly. So now we've got small groups, not just in and around this vicinity of the building, but we've got small groups in Gorgie and Dalry and Trinity and Crutole and Stockbridge and Buxton. And part of our key strategy in wanting to be a, a church for all of Edinburgh is this, that we need to see so many more small groups. We're one church, but we want to have many, many small groups right across this city. So we, we had an elders meeting just a, a, a few weeks before Christmas, and we had this idea, hey, we should have some more small groups. And we all said, yes. That would be great, wouldn't it? And then we said, oh, we'll need some more small group leaders. And we said, yes, we should find some more small group leaders. And then we started to ask people if there'd be small group leaders. I said, no, because it looks like a really tough job. And uh, so some people did step into that. But we, we came to this realization that many of our small groups are very big. And when you start to suggest to somebody, hey, would you like to lead a small group? People say, well, that looks like a massive amount of work with very little care and support. And so one of the things we're wanting to do this year is to really get to grips with that, to really uh, structure ourselves so that we're raising up more leaders and supporting leaders better and more clearly so that we can multiply more small groups more easily in these different parts of Edinburgh. And we don't want the small group to be a thing that you just feel like you're carrying as a lifelong burden, but rather something that brings joy and energy and matures you in your leadership gifts and in your faith. So we're looking forward to doing that. We're going to have a, a small group leaders away day in March. Uh, and if you're a small group leader, we'd love you to come to that as we talk about how we can bring more energy and more life and more love into this really, really vital area of kings. Um, here's the, the third thing we're all about. We're a church that's about being all in for Jesus with our hearts and lives. Uh, I read an article in the Times newspaper a couple of weeks ago, and it was, really, it was an interesting article. It was saying church attendance is on the rise in the UK for the first time in generations. And atheism is on the decline. I thought, wow, this is great news. And we read the article, and that, that, was, that was encouraging. Um, but it was saying there's a, a, change, a shift in pattern of church attendance, saying people are attending more sporadically, less regularly, slightly less committed, so that the increased attendance is because people are coming you know, at key times in the year more than they would have done in the past. That's small fruit, but that's hugely exciting. At King's, we want to monopolize on these two things. We want to be a church that welcomes anybody and helps people feel comfortable even being on the fringe of King's for a long time and feeling like, hey, this is a place where I can hang out and I don't feel threatened, or I don't feel I have to be what I'm not. We want to be a church like that. But also we want to be a church that encourages people towards becoming disciples of Jesus. 
and that helps people to take steps towards following him. Um, Guy tells me since we started the, the Path of Disciples course, which is aimed at really helping people who are a little bit unclear in their faith, helping them towards those first steps of faith like baptism, 80 people in the last two years have done the Path of Disciples course, which is amazing. I feel God's hand is on that for us. And we're going to keep using that. We're going to keep using things like Alpha, which is a brilliant tool. We just started another Alpha course two days ago led by uh, Lydia and John and Emma. That's really, really exciting. But I want to encourage you, King's Church is never going to be a place where we just want people to attend. We want people to become fully-fledged followers of Jesus. And here's three areas that you could grow in this year if you're just looking for a challenge. If you don't regularly belong to a small group, and attend a small group, how about making 2019 the year that you do that? Because that's what followers of Jesus do. If, uh, if you don't give to the work of King's Church, how about 2019 is the year that you begin to give regularly to the work of King's Church financially? And thirdly, if you don't serve, how about you make 2019 the year where you begin to serve uh, on a team at King's Church? Um, fourth one. Okay, so, so, so that was the three. Okay, so you remember those from last time? Great. So you've heard all this before, right? Now we are moving into new territory. Okay, right. So here's the, here's the fourth thing. We want to be a church that preaches all of the gospel. All of the gospel. Um, it was in, I was, uh, about a month before Christmas, somebody had encouraged me to go and receive some prophetic ministry at a place in Glasgow, some people who, who move in, that sort of thing, totally disconnected from our sort of sphere of stuff. I didn't know them, they didn't know me. And somebody said, hey, just go along because they're hugely encouraging. They'll just pray and prophesy over you for an hour. And I thought, well, that sounds good. So I went along and a couple of people just prayed and prophesied over me for an hour. It was absolutely brilliant. Really, really, uh, I was really, really grateful for them. And here's something they said. See, I was feeling pretty good about this, this the three alls of kings. The, the, all, the all, all in, all Edinburgh. All. I said, anyway, about 10 minutes in, this guy says to me, he says, he doesn't know me, he says, yeah, I just feel that God's working with your vision statement. And he said, I just see you rewriting it in this next couple of weeks. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. Because <laughs> I'm really, really happy with the vision statement, actually. I'm really... But anyway, he was totally right. It was absolutely... So in, so some other things they began to share, particularly around this thing, began to get me thinking, no, actually, that, that doesn't totally sum up what we are. So here's the thing. I feel that God is stirring us to be a church that moves into pursuing God in the supernatural and the miraculous more than we have done. And we've always believed in that stuff. We always believe that God can heal and does heal. We often get a little discouraged in those things, so we back off and we start to say things like, you know, well, Edinburgh is the kind of place where you know, people love the word around here, so we'll just preach the word. But actually, God wants us to be a people who move in the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the, the, these people uh, shared with me, they said, we just feel that God is calling your church to be a hub for the supernatural. I thought, well... Do you know when prophetic people are talking to you, sometimes you can think, I wonder if that's your thing rather than my thing. <laughs> and anyway, because you think, well, you're prophetic. Of course you're going to talk about signs and wonders. That's what, that's what you do, isn't it? You love that stuff. Whereas, anyway, so I, I received it. I thought, well, Lord, I 
I, I hear that, and I, I'd, I'd love that to be. I, I'd just love you to confirm that in other ways, if that's what you're doing with us. And anyway, two days later, I'm talking to Dave Holden, who oversees our church apostolically. He's coming up to lay hands on our elders that weekend. I said, oh, what are you preaching about on Sunday, Dave? And he says, at our church, he says, I, I feel stirred that I need to preach about signs and wonders. I thought, like, oh, wow, that's interesting, because that's kind of what they were saying. Anyway, he came and preached. It was a very authoritative word. You should listen to it if you haven't heard it. And he uh, kind of received that. God was stirring it. Anyway, good things happen in threes, don't they? So I was away at a, a prayer gathering with some other pastors um, in our network of churches. And somebody I've never really talked to before, another church leader, he comes over to me during a prayer time. And he says, Dan, I feel that God is calling you as a church to preach to the head and the heart and to also be a church that pursues signs and wonders. So I kind of thought, well, we should go with this because God seems to be stirring it up in us and speaking it to us. We're not experts in it and we need a lot of stirring. So uh, we've asked um, Adrian Holloway, could you put the next slide up, please? Uh, Adrian um, is a healing evangelist. He's, he's seen many, many medically verified miracles happen through his ministry. We've invited him to come up on the weekend of the 9th and 10th of March. He's going to do a Saturday afternoon with us and then preach on the Sunday morning and evening. And just want to encourage you to come and to learn that we can be people who begin to move in this area. Something else that we want to do uh, as elders, we felt we just wanted to make more space on Sundays for God to work with us. And so we're, we're going to do something radical starting next week, which is we're going to preach slightly shorter messages. As Luke... <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. As, as, as Luke, David Dice said, that would be a sign and a wonder <laughs> at King's for, you to preach short, for us to preach shorter messages. So... Here's the idea. It's not that we are devaluing that we love the word, which is why we love preaching it for so long. But we, we are feeling this sense of God saying, no, you need to make space for the Holy Spirit to work and to be, to, perhaps for a season, just cutting slightly shorter on our preaching so that we give a space for God to come and minister and do what he wants so we can pray for people, pray for the sick, whatever he wants to do with us. We're going to be learning as we go. And I'd like you to engage your faith in that and uh, to, to, to hear your feedback on that and all those things because we do believe that God wants us to be a word and spirit church. Amen? In fact, not just word and spirit, word works and spirit because we want to display the love of God in all sorts of practical ways to the world around us as well. Here's the, the, the final one. Uh, God's calling us to be a church that goes into all of the world. Uh, if I left through this whole sort of thing with George um, going to Berlin, uh, just felt God clarifying this for, for me particularly that um, I was at an Edinburgh pastor's gathering and uh, a church leader who'd seen one of George's remarkable videos and they'd showed it in their church. They said, oh, they said it must be such a blessing to have George in your church. And I said, yeah, it is. And I said, actually, he's going to plant a church in Berlin. And this other church leader looked at me like, why? <laughs> why, would, why would anybody leave your church to go to Berlin? And I thought, oh, yeah, because there's a value there that, that perhaps isn't for you, but it is for us, that, that we're a, a sending church that sends people all over the world and believe that this is one of the vital things that we're going to do. 
I love it when people come and stay at King's. I love it when people bring their gifts and they stay for a season, maybe years, maybe a lifetime. But here's something we need to get used to, that God, if we're going to plant churches all over Scotland and all over the world, then we're going to be ascending people. And people like George, who I would love dearly if he stayed here, I, I love it also when people say, God, I'm hearing God here. And there's, there's a journey of faith in that for us, that we give, but we believe that we'll receive as we do that. And we're part of this family of churches called New Ground, where we believe that God is going to use us to share the gospel with many, many nations. We've done that. We sent a group to Livingston. Not that, not that um, West Lothian is a different nation, but we're sending, we're giving. We're giving our best. And we're to be a church that goes into all of the world. So uh, worship band, if you could come and join me. I, th- I think we're going to sing in just a moment. God's calling us to be a church for all, for all Edinburgh, where all of us are all in with our hearts and lives, that preaches all of the gospel and goes into all of the world. Uh, somebody emailed me a, uh, a prophetic word the other day. In fact, there's loads and loads of prophetic stuff coming to us at the moment, which is really exciting. But this one just caught my eye in terms of some of the content. It was from uh, a, a former church leader from outside of King's um, who was visiting. And he, he saw a picture. It was, it was a picture of an urban... Uh, landscape, a shoreline with the waves lapping on the, on, the, on the beach. And he said, as I watched the water, the waves continually ebbing and flowing, they never changed in pace or ferocity. However, words began to come in on them. Words like gathered people, leadership established, structures, training, and development. But then those words changed the images of silver which when I looked closer were all kinds of different fish, all different sizes and types just rolling up on the sand and the shoreline. What I felt God impressing on me was that over the next season, the church is going to see a wave of new salvation growth. That will happen not by any particular evangelistic endeavors or strategies, but just as you continue being the people of God you are. There was a real sense that people of evangelistic anointing who were very normal and varying shapes, sizes and ages, genders and ethnicities were just going to become more effective in reaching the lost with no great extra effort or endeavor. It's just by being the church. Are you up for being that kind of church today? Let's, um, let's just right where we are. Let's just give our hearts to the Lord. If it's your longing for him to use you in weakness and fear, but with trembling, then I just want you to just lift your hand up to God and just say, Lord, use me. Use me for your glory, Lord. Lord, we want to just give ourselves afresh to you today. I want to give myself afresh to you. Lord, thank you. It's never about us. It's never about a church by name. Lord, I thank you. It's all about you and your kingdom and your purposes and your people but we dare to ask you for more. We dare to ask you for more, Lord, for more salvations, for more healings, for more miracles. We dare to ask you, Lord, to fulfill the word that you're speaking to us, 
God, we pray that you'd help us to be people of faith and courage, people who are tenacious and don't let go of your promises for us, Lord. Maybe uh, today God is calling you to a specific step of faith. Maybe it's to uh, be attending small group. Maybe it's to be giving money. Maybe it's to be serving. Maybe it's none of those things, but just take a moment to respond to God. I feel um, for just hearing George's story today, some of you, God is already saying he's going to be sending you in seasons to come to new places. If you know God's stirring that in you, just, just raise your hand. I'd love to just pray with you for a moment. Oh God, I want to pray for your grace and your purposes to unfold in these lives. I want to pray, Lord, that, that you'd give direction and wisdom and provision in Jesus' name. Lord, for those of us who are called to stay, we just pray, give us the grace, give us the freedom, give us the enthusiasm to keep going again and again and again. Help us to believe you for more. Help us to believe you for miracles. I pray, Lord, that uh, give us fresh faith for old things, Lord, and help us to be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.